Okay, well, that's enough of that. Thank you for listening. (laughs) We're going to get back to our lesson and continue in our lesson number 13, uh, Lessons from Emmaus. And I wanted to mark down the uh, area where I left off, and I did that, and I wanted to pick up there. That's on page 3 of our lesson. We've got... uh, very interesting information here to pass on and, and let you kind of muse over as we continue this discussion. Let us go ahead and get back into this here and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you have set aside for us to be able to sit quietly and hear you speak through the power of the Spirit. We thank you for how you teach us. We thank you for how you encourage us. We thank you for how you motivate us. We thank you for how you strengthen us. And we just reinforce the good things that we try to do to make sure that we are being obedient to you. We thank you for that affirmation as well, too. We praise you now, and we thank you, Lord, and we pray for the the Spirit to do all the speaking at this time. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here this morning. Going back after it, where we left off last time, if you remember or don't remember, uh, we kind of went through this exercise of looking at Hebrews 10.25 and trying to turn it and rephrase it and amplify it into a positive command. And Jennifer Rothschild wrote down what she thought it would be, should be joined together when we're talking about a church. When we're talking about church. We're talking about what is the church function. What is the function of a church and church fellowship. And she wrote a summary that I thought was pretty good. She said, join together, hang out frequently, don't miss a chance getting together with your fellow believers. I think that's a great summary of what we as a church are doing right now. We're getting together, we're hanging out frequently, and frequently, uh, let's face it, for some of us who are, you know, we, we, where the church is open a couple times a week, but Frequently, for many of us, is once a week, which is frequent. That's, that covers a lot of ground. Don't miss a chance getting together with your fellow believers. <clears throat> and we try to encourage you to also participate in other activities in the church that involve learning and fellowship. In other words, we don't just get together for the sake of getting together. I mean, you can do that, you know, you know folks go to the club and do that. I mean, that's not what we do. We get together for the purpose of being united in fellowship with one common purpose, and that is to praise and worship God. Plain and simple. We have a common denominator. That's why we get together at a church. Now, I mentioned in my own comment right after that, about how this is well and good, but some of us, surprisingly a large group of us, are not anywhere near this place of wanting to gather frequently, get together, have common fellowship for the purpose of glorifying God. Some of us aren't there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Busyness? Why do you think it is that we are, there are some of us, and I'm saying us in general, I'm talking about the population, 
are not inclined to gather frequently. The whole definition of Hebrews 10.25. Why are we not doing that? No desire to. Now, you, he gave what I would call an excuse. Because busyness clearly is a reason to not do something. You know, there's, a, there's all kinds of reasons why you don't do things. And sometimes you'll use justification for those things. Now, busyness is an excuse. Because we should be busy as a people, in general, if we're talking about truly doing things that are edifying the Lord, glorifying God. We should be busy. We shouldn't be just sitting around all the time. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Now, some of us are working, and I, and I appreciate Mark saying that because some of us do work. Some of us are not working. Some of us, though, are retired, but... Frankly, I've seen a lot of retired folks who are busier than some folks who work. So busyness is just relative to whatever you deem to be more important to you as opposed to going to fellowship. Now, Pearl just said because they just don't want to or don't have a desire to, which is also true. When you don't have a desire to do, look, you're going to do what you want to do. Let's start with that. You're going to do what you want to do. If you want to go play golf all the time, you're going to go play golf. And this is not to put down people who play golf. I don't play golf, but I can understand why people do play golf. It's very relaxing. It's, it is exercise. It's actually moving around the course and hitting the ball, and you're out there, and you're trying to compete against yourself to do the best you can do. But just like anything else, that can be your God if you allow it to be your God, as opposed to going to church. I can see an excuse where it's been raining all week, it's sunny on Sunday, I'm going to go out and hit the course rather than go to church, because I couldn't get out there earlier in the week. Well, that's an excuse. Did you have your hand up? I'm sorry. Into self. Okay. Into self. Self-gratification. Self-pleasure. Pleasure as far as doing what you want to do as opposed to the way it's perceived. You're taking your time away from that. Why would I want to go and spend a time with a bunch of folks when I could be going out and doing this stuff? That's really what it comes down to. Not to beat a dead horse, but that's exactly what we're talking about here. You're making a choice, saying, I'd rather not do it. I'd rather do it because I'm, I'm doing something else. Some of us, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. There are fun, there are fun alternatives is what you're saying, yes. The God of this world wants, well, the God of this world wants you as a believer distracted. Yes. Okay. Sometimes people can be messy. Messy? Messy. Okay. And you don't want to be around messy people. Messy people. Okay. Um, all right. And that's, that's a very good point. Okay. I understand. Yes. 
Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. So they don't even know that that is an option or uh, right. Oftentimes, and, and, and this is just me, mm-hmm. I find that the church slacks. Yes. Because we're not going to our homes. We're not going to our places of employment. We're not talking to that, that person in line with us in the grocery mm-hmm. store about, you know, gathering and where we mm-hmm. get our opportunity mm-hmm. from. So we're not having those <coughs> Okay. I think uh, the one year we did a women's study, and the one thing that she brought out, uh, the facilitator uh, that offer was Paul and Timothy. They were boys. Mm-hmm. But she set it up. She said, have you ever seen those 25 uh, ladies studying Bible study together for 30 years? Yeah. Same women. Yep. And so she said that sometimes God will allow a good, a big falling out. Yep. And if you go back and read, you see that Paul and Timothy split because of some friction between the two. Right. But she believed that it was God orchestrated because mm-hmm. they were both pretty much on the same. I agree with you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he didn't need them both to stay in the same, the same place. place. She took us back to the 25 ladies that had been in Bible study because if they're all on the same playing field, some, why? Yep, that's a great point. Now what we've talked about here, just to give you this little exercise here, we've, we've talked about symptoms, symptoms of the ailment. The ailment is that people don't want to go to church and there are symptoms. So now we're trying to find solutions to cure that symptom. And part of that means you have to continue to grow as a personal believer. You do have to come outside of yourself. You do have to... Allow yourself to co-mingle with people who truly do have the mindset of following Jesus Christ. To help you. To stretch you. To encourage you. Because when you're by yourself, who is going to challenge you? Nobody. That's right. So that's the reason why we do the gathering. That's the reason why we do get together. But ultimately we get together to encourage each other, to help people to see where there are opportunities where they can minister. And Pearl is absolutely right. Church is not just in the four walls. It's outside wherever you go. You should be bringing the church with you wherever you go. Even if you think there are people who are there where you work at, for example, who are not going to come to Akron. But you'd be surprised. Some people actually may come to Akron. But you never know unless you mention it Unless you talk about it, unless you speak about it, talk about your church, what your church has done for you. Trust me when I tell you, there's a lot of folks that live on the southeast side of Cleveland that are going to dysfunctional churches. And I mean dysfunctional. Whether it be in doctrine or in practice or in ritual or whatever it is, it's dysfunctional. So if you don't talk about how great this church is, then that's on you. 
You have nobody else to blame. If you want to help someone to get out of a dysfunctional situation, what do you do? You give them information to help them along with that. And even if it's not this church, get them somewhere where the church is teaching. Think, have, say, well, did you try this place? Have you considered this place? You as a believer should know a church that teaches the word and can point it out to people. You certainly can point out this church, but you should know about others. Amen. The teaching, yes. No, you do what you... You, you can challenge me if you want to. Go ahead. And the question is that I have told him about our church. I believe our church is a strong church. Yeah. But it's amazing to me how many people, like I have a friend, I might look at her church and I might say it's a little more dysfunctional than ours, but the word is there. Okay. But I know God has not used her to sustain it. Right. Okay, sure. That's the church that drew her husband into the church to get to know the Lord. So I'm just saying, sometimes, I mean, I think it depends on how we receive churches because Mm -hmm. I believe we're a very biblically sound church where Mm -hmm. I can be almost judgmental in a way and look at other churches and say, I don't think they're as sound. But I do believe that God puts sound people in each church to be the drawers in that church. That's That's very true. Yeah, I mean, there are churches, there are some churches that aren't church. Look, there's different types of churches, just like there's different types of people. You know, Lynn's background was at the chapel, not the chapel, excuse me, Parkside, Parkside Church. Parkside Church is where Alistair Begg preaches. That is one of the biggest churches on the east side, period. They have three services. They have huge uh, child care, um, a huge common area, area where you can go and sit and quietly and talk to people. In fact, they encourage small groups, which is what, what most large churches do. But even Parkside is not perfect. And without getting into a lot of details, they've got a lot of stuff that has not always encouraged women to have Bible studies the way they should. They've had dealings with, you know, they've had a ton of elders, and even all the elders don't always agree. But that's true in most big churches. There are very few big churches that have what I would call seamless practices. Now, do they teach the word at Alistair Begg's church? 100% yes. Absolutely. There's no question about the doctrine of that church and what they stand for. But is there stuff underneath? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's normal. And I couldn't personally even go to a large church like that. I've been to the church and I've seen the church and it's... My memory of Parkside Church, going in the church and sitting there, they have these two tote boards on the side, one on one side, one on the other with red numbers on them. And when, when you have child care, you get a number. And so you go into the chapel and, and all of a sudden you start seeing these tote boards flashing with numbers because that means they want to bring, the parent needs to come to the daycare area to go, what's going on. So I'm looking at the word and all of a sudden I'm seeing these tote boards going off. I'm not going to have a seizure looking at them, but my goodness, it was just, it was just constant. This is the one particular service. 
Pardon me? After the fifth year. Oh, yeah, five years in, you get used to it. Oh, okay. That, that's all. You know, only uh, 250 weeks, <laughs> you get used to it. Yes. So, but that's, that's what I remember, you know. But that's, that's why a large church is not for me personally. But, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Every time I want to just jump ship and leave the county, I think about what she said to me, and she just simply said, "If you leave, what life shall they have?" And I was like, "It stopped me dead in my tracks." I started praying and asking the Lord, you know, should I just jump ship? And so that stuck with me. And mm-hmm. like Kate said, while we may not see the grand scheme of right. others, yep. God has a purpose, and He has someone. And, and ultimately what it comes down, a lot of people leave churches too quickly. And, and I want to point out that, and they give an excuse. I don't like the music. They ain't singing the way I would sing. I don't like this. And, I don't like, which means they're not even praying about what can be done within that body to address what you think is wrong. And ultimately, that's why we are having this conversation. We need to be the ones to make sure that we are doing all that we can to make sure that our experience in the church, when we share with other people, is making it a good environment for other people. We're doing what we can do. So let's, you had your hand up, and I'll, one more, real quick. Something to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it depends on how, what the fit is. The most important thing, even if you're staying in an environment where you're not like really quite sure, make sure you're getting fed. Make sure you're getting fed. You're not to be the hero or the rescuer of a church. Because you stay in a place that's not, act, not functioning properly. You're not a rescuer. That's not your job. Jesus is the one who is the one who does all the healing, all the touching of people, like helping people to understand what needs to be done. So let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's turn to that real quick. And understand, if you recall the first church, it provided the model for all churches regarding communality. Communality. Communality, which to me, if you look at the word for what it stands for, it's about being on a common ground and it's communal. You're working with other people. You're fellowshipping with other people. You know, I mean, let's let's face it. There are people in your life. If you've got a telephone and if you've got phone numbers and names in your telephone, 
you should have some church folks in your phone with names on them that you can call on at a moment's notice if something is going on. If you open up your phone and you find out you've only got like two or three people or maybe one person that you can call on, well, you need to do better than that. It's not just about being with one person. It's about being with a community and having a common ground when it comes to what you represent. Look at verse 42. Start with Acts 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves, and this is after the whole thing with uh, the, the, the fiery, you know, the, the, the fire flames and, and speaking the tongues and all that stuff. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now notice that that first verse says, and they devoted themselves. That goes back to Pearl's comment earlier. It's a desire to do these things within the church because it's in your heart to do them because you are worshiping and praising God. But you're not going through the motions. Devoted is a very important word in this passage. Devotion. How many of you remember the old song from Earth, Wind, and Fire, Devotion? I can hardly understand what Earth, Wind, and Fire say half the time when they do their lyrics, but they're talking about being devoted to doing something. Teaching the children, making the world a better place. That's what devotion is. It's something that has to be, though, in your heart. Because if it's not in your heart, guess what? You're not going to keep doing it. You might do it for a little while just to see if it catches on, but you're not going to do it. For you motorcycle riders, some of, sometimes I think you're crazy, but there's a devotion to riding that bike because it gives you a certain feeling. Right, Pastor Gus? <laughs> I'm not really sure that... I'll get you later for that. You were supposed to say, right. Okay. But there needs to be a devotion in the worship aspect of going to church. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, what's being taught, which is God's word, to the, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all, look at verse 43, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Why do you think that is? They were doing exactly what God wanted them to do, and they were being affirmed by their actions, by their devotion, by showing these wonderful signs and wonders taking place within the fellowship. Because let's face it, everybody who comes to church is not the same. Some folks have to see evidence of activity that shows this is the place I need to be. And if it means healing if it means those things that are taking place, they need to see this happen. God affirms you when you are devoted to Him. Amen. He affirms you. I've picked that up in my prayers now. I just, I just see it all the time. When you are taking the time to be devoted to Him in prayer, in study, in reading, he affirms you with your effort. Never forget that. Affirmation. It's really important. 
You serve a God who is a living, active God who wants to interact with you, who wants you to know that what you're doing is right. He wants you to know that it's worth the effort for you to be obedient to him. Verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. What do we have in common as believers in a church? Jesus Christ, faith, we all have this in common. This is the common joy, the joy that comes from a, a solid, healthy, growing relationship with Jesus Christ is what we have in common. And for those who don't have that yet or don't, are not believers who are in a fellowship, we're showing them what it's all about by being real people, just being honest saying, without Jesus, I wouldn't be where I am today. Amen? I mean, that's how you should be talking to folks. It's not you, it's Jesus. But that's what we have in common. Now, verse 45, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And that demonstrates that no one in the church should ever be going without something that they really need because we as a church should pull together and help others who are in need. The whole idea of relying upon government is what's gotten a lot of people all twisted around. They should be relying upon the church. The church. That's what it's all about. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, notice how it says, going to the temple, day by day, day after day, either going to the temple or doing it at home, which means what? Church is outside of these walls. If you are going to church on a regular basis, your church, your home should be a refuge as well for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your home should also be the place where Christ is spoken of, especially when you have visitors in your home. And wherever you go, let's say you're going to work, you people should know you're a believer in Jesus Christ. They should know you go to church. They should know that you don't cuss. They should know that you act like you've got some sense because you're following Jesus Christ. There should be no question about anyone in this room about who you follow. They should see it, they should know it, they should understand it. There shouldn't be any question about it. If there is a question about it, where is your devotion? Where is your devotion? You don't put on church on Sunday and take it off when you leave. That's the reality. Verse 47. Praising God and having favor... With all the people. And Lord and the Lord adds their number day by day those who were being saved. Now that's the first church as we would kind of document it based upon what scripture is saying. That's a church. But notice they said you're going to temple, you're going to church, but you're also acting in a neighborly fashion in neighborhoods, fellowshipping with other people, going around, breaking bread, being thankful about it. Receiving their food with good, glad, and generous hearts. Wow. 
What a wonderful thing. It's the epitome of what a church should be. Now, we know that some churches fall short of that. I've always been... We, you know, we, have, we, we had this study a long time ago where we, we literally said that there were literally over, across the world 33,000, that's the number six in my head, it might be more than that. It's more than that. 33,000 different denominations of supposed Christian churches. 33,000, which is mind-boggling. I mean, how do you choose out of 33,000, right? But all that is is just a splintering of the original church. It's a splintering, and different churches have different ways of conducting church. I know about Grace Brethren churches because I actually attended a Grace Brethren church a while back. A lot of Grace Brethren churches are out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they really are. They're a long way out. There's only one Grace Brethren Church that's in this metropolitan area that I'm aware of, and that's the one over in Macedonia. I actually went there. But the practice, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, guess what that means? You don't have to fellowship with a whole lot of folks except your own. And you have to either make a practice and make a decision. Either I'm going to do fellowship with other people and go outside of the church, or I'm going to stay put right where I'm at which is not always good. If Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and I'm going to be with you wherever you go until the very end, then that's what you should be doing. Going out in the world is not sitting at home in a field someplace. So it's an ongoing challenge for that 33,000 different denominations to figure out how you're actually looking at God's word and truly following it. And we can do it. We know what we need to do. We, we can see what we need to do by just reading this passage. Do you believe that we are there yet? Are you there yet where this church is as far as if you look at Acts chapter 2 and you look at this passage, are we there yet? There being in quotes? Well, the easy answer is to say, no, we're not there yet. We're still working on it. We're still looking at it. But the challenge goes back to you as an individual. You have to decide where your devotion is, what you see this church as, what you see your role in this church is, and what you do outside of this church. That's what we have to pray about, think about. And when I say think about and pray about, I don't mean a fleeting moment. I mean heavy duty, get down on your knees, pray about what you would have, what God would have you to do. It's really important. Yes, sir. Dedicated to what Christ is dedicated to. Mm -hmm. 
That's right. Uh, you cannot say in reality, I love Christ and then really love his church. But the excuse for loving his church is I'm part of the universal church. Okay. Not local church. Okay. Oh, the body, yeah, I'm in, because I'm in the body. Yeah, right. That's, that is an excuse, actually. Yes, it is. That is true. We all are in the body of Christ, but that doesn't make you say, well, because I'm in the body of Christ, everything is cool, and therefore I don't need to do anything. Because, you know, and, and, and to add to his words, we say we follow Christ, but we really don't. Really don't. We may say we are, we know Jesus Christ, but you really don't know him. You are still learning about him. None of us knows Jesus Christ the way we know other people. We're still learning about Christ. We just have a thumbnail sketch, in all honesty, a thumbnail sketch of Jesus Christ. Because if you go back in the book of John, it says a lot of the stuff that he did is not even written about. You, it, it would be so magnanimous, you could barely contain it. You, are just, you just have a thumbnail sketch of Christ. You're still learning about Jesus Christ. You could be 98 years old and you're still learning about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Now, Miss Laura knows a lot, but I, I know she's still learning about Christ, too. Amen? Amen. That's where the 98 came from. Okay. <laughs> and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's from Hebrews 10. Verses 24 and 25, that's the ESV version. Now, Scripture is even talking about how some folks don't want to get together. Does that mean you should stop praying for them? No. Does that mean that they're a lost cause? No. In the same way, if you're truly living for Christ, you care about every single soul that you know. And you're praying for every single person. There's a lot of people who won't go to church. They give you all kinds of reasons why this church did this to me. So-and-so hurt me here. So-and-so did this to me here, too. You've been hurt everywhere you go. The church is just one excuse. Heck, I can point to my mom and dad and say, you hurt me, too. Well, who ain't got hurt before? It starts in kindergarten. Thank you. It really does. Now, that's not to minimize it, but it's life. Everything doesn't go the way you would like it to go. There are certain, and, and part of it is because you ain't seeing it the right way. You don't blame it on other people. It ain't always somebody else's problem. This is not a psychology class, by the way. I'm just letting you know that right now. But it's not always somebody else's problem. We have a tendency to say, I'm not going to go to this church because so-and-so did something to me. I'm not going to here because I don't like so-and-so over here. And the reason why people, some people leave churches is like, well, you know what? Frankly, they're lying. They lie. They just need an excuse. I know this is, this is Sunday school class. I understand that. But I'm giving, you, I'm giving you information so that you understand the different reasons that Satan puts before people to say, I don't really want to be in the fellowship. 
Because who's hurting who if you leave a church? That's right. That's an honest, honest response, too. Yeah. Yep. Show them your life. Show them your usage. Mm-hmm. As the word directs you to. And you just don't know. My neighbor called me with her. She, she called me up there in the time. And she said, Is you home? I said, No. And she's the daughter of the Muslim couple that stays next door to us. And um, Walter, a couple weeks ago, had the, the, the mom had a back surgery. Okay. So Okay. And so many of the younger guys are really kind of bothered. So when she comes to town, she's going to let me know she's here. Walter mm-hmm. helped one of the sisters that's still here help her mom receive some of that because she kept some of the bushes back and stuff. Mm-hmm. So every time we've done something, they brought us a small gift over. So I knew, I said, Sarah, are you in town? She said, yeah, I'm here, girl. She said, well, you and Walter, oh, we got a few months there. I said, me and Walter, when I was in town, so I knew this was just to be a back. And so we had this whole conversation. She said, I hope we don't offend you guys because you have to be mindful because sometimes culturally yes. it's just, you know. I said, Sarah, no. I said, we don't take a stand on this one. Walter did not help with the dishes, but you guys said, I said, you need to understand. This is what we're supposed to do. I said, the word of God tells us to love our neighbors more than we love ourselves. Right. And treat them. I said, we don't do it enough. I said, if you ask me and Walter, we don't do it enough. Oh, my goodness. She said, no, no, no. You guys are so... No, no, no. I said, and we did not say this. And she was okay because uh, Sarah's more Americanized than me. Right. Well. So when I got there and I pulled up and she's standing on the driveway, she's like, what's taking so long? It took a long enough to do this already. <laughs> but my point is just do relationship. Yeah. Just do relationship. And we have, uh, I mean, I don't know what evolution the Lord just has put our people around us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 
So let's summarize all of that. If you truly have a heart for Jesus, you look at every opportunity that you have to fellowship. If that person doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that is how you treat that situation, including church invites. Don't put a block on Jesus because you don't think this other person is going to respond. If it was for that person's very soul, wouldn't you minister to them? That's how you need to think. Everything you do is for the glory of God. Everything is for the glory of God. So let's move on real quick. Now, I want to make sure that I'm probably going to have to pick up with this, this next section here next week, but I want to go back and look at Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to pick up with this section when we, when we meet again next time. But I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10. We need to, I'm going to read the passage. We spent most of our time talking about how it's important for us to live having a heart for God. We can't assume that everybody who comes to church has a heart for God. We just can't. It would be a bad assumption. Because we clearly know that all of us are works in process. We're all on different levels. We come from different places. We come from different backgrounds. We may come from different cultures. The point is is that you don't assume that everybody has the same heart for God that you do. But it's important for us to still fellowship and still get together. Look at what it says here in Hebrews 10. Now that's a, I, I guess I picked a long passage to look at here, didn't I? Yeah, I really did. I probably won't be able to do this. But I want to make sure that we're going back and looking at this place, looking at this church. It's not about just coming to church because you just don't want to be the person who's neglecting to meet. You're not just doing it because somebody told you to do it. You're doing it because you want to do it. It should be part of your normal routine. I'm going to challenge some people who get here, some people who can't. Now, you have to understand something. It has to be consistent. You've got to make sure that you're doing it for all the reasons that we just talked about today. It's about your own personal growth and development. I'm not sure if Pastor Gus could do this sermon and get away with it. But I'm not the preacher. So there. <laughs> so I'll do it for him. Nah. We need to be fellowshipping on a regular basis consistently. And if someone invites you, for example, to go to another church, go. Go fellowship with them. Be courteous. It's all about consistency. It's all about your personal growth to do so. Understand something. I, I know that it's not always easy for some people who are ill and all that, and we do whatever we can to help them get here because they know they need to be here. There's a certain devotion that they have where if they miss, they really feel like they're losing out. Why can't some of us who are healthy and able-bodied and walking around and moving around have that same devotion? That's what we have to look at here. 
you don't want to just go to church because this is a refuge and you're sheltering yourself from the confines of the world. That's not what this is about at all. You're not going to church because... Remember the old fallout shelter signs you would see everywhere? Back in the day when they had atomic bomb threats and all that, and you would see these fallout shelter signs up in certain parts where you know, it's like a basement level or whatever it is. Well, church is not a fallout shelter. It's not a place where you come and just sit and hide from the world. You learn about life so that you can go out into the world in a church. That's what it should be all about. So this is a good stopping point because I wanted that passage that I picked on is going to take a little bit more time. So we'll pick up next time. But we understand the summary of today is what? Devotion. Where is your heart? Where is your devotion? What are you devoted to when it comes to your walk with Jesus Christ? And I'm just going to challenge you one more time, and I'll repeat this. It may require you to get down on your knees and spend some time in the Lord and see exactly what your role is in this church, not just in the body of Christ. Sometimes the body of Christ is used as an excuse. He's right. That's exactly right. What is your role where you're at? Because you ain't all over the world. You're right here. You're right. You don't know a lot of folks who know, are in the body of Christ. You just know a few folks. Pray about what your role is. Where is your devotion? Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to do some real soul searching. To help us to understand that we have still a lot to learn about this whole thing that we're doing in service for you. Lord, help us to not create barriers, but to break them down. Help us to truly have the desire to speak to people about you through words and actions where people recognize that you are the one who gives us the desire to serve others. We want people to see that. Lord, we thank you for affirming us as we seek after you. We thank you for showing us through the power of the Spirit what needs to be done. We pray now, Lord, that you just continue to work with us, to touch us, to encourage us, to motivate us to do more, seeking after you. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.